For a few years, kinesiology has been on my radar. It's something that I've seen in some of the mentors and people that I follow and look up to. And so it was a great treat today to sit down with kinesiologist Sahaja Springer. We all have our own spark of greatness, I believe, within us. And connecting with this spark is the focus of this conversation. Often we're scared of our own greatness and lock ourselves away from it. And Sahaja really provides a deep insight how she, with kinesiology, works with clients to release and balance personal cycles of connectedness between their limiting beliefs or causes of stress and how that plays through into a client's body. Sahaja talks about the role of self-talk and the, and the impact that can have on our state of being as well as our physicality. Sahaja also shares her own journey with healing and how that's developed over time. This is a really gentle but powerful conversation and, and you'll notice throughout that there are several times when I go quite quiet as I'm deeply processing and reflecting on some of the things that Sahaja is sharing with me and I'm pretty sure that this will force you to reflect on on the expanse of your potential that you're hiding from yourself unknowingly. So sit back and enjoy Sahaja. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host Bryn Edwards. Harnessing the innate healing power of the body as well as mind and emotion is the major theme of what we'll be exploring today with today's guest, kinesiologist Sahaja Springer. Sahaja, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So you were born and raised in Perth, that's correct? Actually, I was born in Perth, but I was raised in the Murchison area. Oh, right, yeah. Which yes. is north of, well, northeast of Geraldton. Yep. Near where the radio telescope is now. The deep uh, space. Yes, yeah. 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 Uh, further north. Yes. Yeah, so it's very uh, semi arid country. What was Red it like dirt. growing up there? Beautiful. Yeah? Really expansive. That's, I think that's where I got my love of expansiveness from mm. Mm. what were some of the sort of um, most preeminent memories of growing up there bushfire um, you know mustering sheep and being around a campfire at night time my dad telling stories about Featherfoot Featherfoot yeah Aboriginal witch um, that's the scary the scary parts <laughs> Um, just the smells and the, it's almost as if you can let your mind just really expand and go many, many different places when mm. there's that much space around you. Mm. That's what it was for me. Mm. I think, um, I, I asked this question of all of my guests and a lot of people relate to being outdoors, being in the, the the greater nature, and 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 enjoying the expanse. And I myself, one of the key things of moving here was the the ability to, um, within an hour, an hour and a half of drive away from Perth, is just feel like there's nobody else around, and you can just expand. Mm. I was out in Gingin yesterday, and I just spent twenty minutes where I stopped the car and sat there, and whew, nothing. Mm. It's great. Whereas the same thing also when I lived in Sydney. Yes. Even though it's a much, much bigger city, of course, I would go to the cliffs at Coogee and sit there and you'd have a similar sort of experience. So I do think that you, 
once you have that ability to tap into that expansiveness, mm. you can generate it and find it in places that you wouldn't expect as well, right. which is really nice. What does it mean to you to be a West Australian? Big skies. Big skies. <laughs> Big skies, warm summers. Um, pioneering. That's a very uh, strong theme that's run through my life. Yeah. Uh, um, isolation as well, which is another you know, shadow side of that, which has run through my life. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So, in your uh, background... You've had um, a career as a nurse for a while. Short while. Uh, short yeah. while. And then you, you've then moved towards kinesiology, aromatherapy, counselling. There's a strong um, healing theme mm. through the work that you've done over many, many years. Yeah. Where does that come from in your story? I didn't think I was going to talk about this. <laughs> Um, when I was four, my sisters and I were traveling across the Nullarbor with my mother and we had a head on collision and my mother was killed. Right. And, um, that was my first out of body experience that I ever had in my life. And I distinctly remember leaving my body together with my mother and she told me that it wasn't my time and that I needed to go back. There was a lot of rage around that because I didn't really Imagine. particularly want to. I wanted to stay stay and be with her. Um, <clears throat> and there was subsequent anger as well that I dealt with. But I think that was the start of it, you know, because... I mean, you say, what, what is that healing theme? I was always looking for what is it that I'm supposed to do? You know, why, am, why was I sent back? Yes. <laughs> you know? Mm. And have you, have you got to the bottom of that? I'm still, still getting, the, still, no, no, actually, I think so. Yeah. Gotcha. <laughs> well, it's what you asked in the, in the questions the questionnaire really what 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 are my goals and really my goal is to one of my b main things is to bring heaven here on earth you know instead of us having to disappear to get to heaven is to have that ability to generate something that is for all that we can really connect into that makes Things beautiful. And and how can we start to make that happen? Heaven on earth. We can tap into our own greatness, and that is really what I'm passionate about at the moment. Mm. Always, it changes. Of course, the themes change. Um, but for me, I think that's been like a deep river that's been running through my life. Mm. And really acknowledging the, I know it sounds a bit airy-fairy, but the real divinity of people 
and getting them to tap into that within themselves so that then things become really, really possible. Yeah. And then the how goes out of the window in a way. It just happens. It just happens. So do you work from the framework of we all have this greatness in us? It's already there. Yes. And so it's, it's more a case of revealing that to ourselves. Yeah. Learning, learning how we cover it up. Learning about the lies that we tell ourselves. The convenient truths and yeah. stories. Yeah. Learning, learning how to step into it and to be able to embody it so that that then guides us. Yeah. Why do you think we hide our greatness from ourselves? Oh, many and varied reasons, of course. Everybody's got their own. Yes. Um, and yet I think that, that there's very definitely uh, currents running through that, that are similar. Mm. But why? Do you want specifics? That's just <laughs> your view. Sometimes it's because it's scary. Yes. You know? Sometimes it's because... Success is more frightening than failure, although we always tend to think that failure is the, the thing. Because mm. mm. success will take us to a new place. Yeah. I mean, one of my favourite prose is, is Marion Williamson's Who Am I to Hide My Greatness? You know, one, that's one of my... It's yeah. sometimes attributed to Nelson Mandela. Yeah, but originally actually, from Marianne. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm a big fan of her work mm. and that we're often we're more scared of our own greatness than we are of yes anything else yeah and it's interesting that you should bring this up because for some time I'm very keen I mean you yourself have a background in NLP as well <laughs> and so that makes us very attuned to the words that people are consciously choosing to use whether they realize it or not and I just find with things like self-development and 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 even the idea of some of the things that we learn makes it sound that we don't have this already Mm. and that we have to develop it in ourselves whereas often I wonder if we started to rephrase it as in self-revealment or something like that Mm -hmm. then that even of itself will set the context of it's already there in mm. you. You just got to find it. Mm. Yeah. Instead of this constant striving to be something different. Mm. It's already there. Yeah. You've just got to connect the dots. Mm. One of the great examples I used was many, many years ago. It was 2003. I did my first little triathlon and I remember getting to the finish line. My brother-in-law just looked at me and said, I have no idea how you did that. I could never do that myself. <laughs> and then two weeks ago, he's just finished his first Ironman. Oh, fantastic. And I said to him at the time, um, it's not that you can't do it, Steve. It's the fact that you haven't found it in yourself to do it mm. yet. You haven't found the why. When you find the why... <sighs> yeah, when you find the why and when you choose yes. to follow up yes. your why. Because so many people, there's a frustration with so many people. So many people do know their why, but don't make the choices Mm. to follow it. 
take the action yeah. and be accountable. Yeah. That's a big theme of what's coming out of my podcast as I, as I reflect over 60 odd episodes. It's interesting the way themes reveal themselves, mm. isn't it? I mm. find that too. Mm. Mm. It, it's taken a long, many podcasts to realise many themes <laughs> that run through them. There you go. So you've um, had your kinesiology practice since 1993. That's yes. correct. Yeah. Um, so for the person who doesn't know, tell me more about kinesiology. What is it? How does it work? What's the underlying principles? Oh, before we started our interview, I was apps- I was thinking that it would be useful for me to give you a demonstration just of the tool that we use, which is muscle monitoring. If you've never experienced mm. it, it's really difficult to explain necessarily and much more experiential. But for me, kinesiology is something that, not that I've settled on, but has kept me engaged for a long period of time because all of the other modalities that I chose to do, I found had their limitations. In, and, in what way? Uh, well, if I, if I talk about, if I more talk about why I feel kinesiology is, is more holistic, then that will explain it, okay. I think. So... Basically, kinesiology has the tool of muscle monitoring, which allows you to access information from the body. Yes. And that's a difficult part to explain. So it, um, it really is simply muscle signaling between the brain and the muscle. It's not a test of strength. It's to see whether or not that signaling is impacted or impaired by whatever stresses. So... That have been picked up along the way? Uh, but that have been picked up along the way. That, And here comes the holistic part. It's then You're then able to access where you got those stresses from, but much more importantly, what is going to balance them out or what is going to be the technique, if you like. For example, NLP, aromatherapy, what... Because it it brings in all of those modalities under that umbrella, so right. you can, if you've got those trainings, you can use the muscle monitoring to suggest, or not to even, not really to suggest, but to find out what the body wants. Right. You know, because it may be that it simply needs the smell of something to make a difference to the internal organs and systems of the body, or it may be that it needs some activation of lymphatics or uh, meridian massage because it comes out of traditional Chinese medicine okay but also chiropractic right. so it's quite a new well new it's it was born in the 60s really out of chiropractic because originally what was happening was that the chiropractors were making the manipulations and they were not necessarily holding. Yeah. So they wanted to find out what it was that was going to help them to hold better. Right. And so then they just, they looked at working on the muscles themselves and how the muscles related to holding the bones in place. And then it just grew from there. Yes, I could see how that would. All the way back to the brain. <clears throat> it, yeah, and, and it then encompasses not only 
physical aspects of the body, but mental, emotional, and spiritual as well. So, how do, how do they come together? Well, they're not separate. Yes. So there's not an there's not a sense of having to come together. It's a sense of really looking at how they inter interrelate, if that makes a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So if I was to um, present myself at your practice, which well, I hope you will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Part of the fun of doing a podcast, you get to scope people out before you decide whether you're going to buy their services. Um, what what would a typical session look and feel like? Um, well, there isn't really a typical because okay. there's no typical person. Um, that's the first thing. Yes. And at the same time, of course, it runs in a little little bit similar, I suppose, to a podcast. You introduce yourself, you get, you know... I. Firstly, I ask the person to just write down their reason for their visit because that's the most important thing. Yes. And then we go from there. I ask them some questions and listen to what their story is, how they nurture themselves, what their issues are, what perhaps they're anxious about. Um, and then we get to the underlying reason for their visit because quite often what they write on the top of the page doesn't end up being what the goal for the session really is. Right. The goal for the session then gives the context for the body to relate to what it needs. And then once we've settled on a goal for the session, and it's really very often about how the person wants to be, it comes down to. Mm. A sense of being. Yeah, so for example, a very, you know, easy example is I, I want to be free of my anxiety for example so in order to be free of your anxiety what's the you know it's underlying is I, I I'm able to be calm I'm able to be at ease I'm able to be playful and all you know it, it will differ for different people but it comes down to how do you need to be and so once we've discerned that goal, then I'll ask them to um, lay on my table, and it's fully closed, just without your, your shoes. shoes yeah. <laughs> and then we do the muscle monitoring or muscle testing, and then they'll have a, a database of corrections. So when you say and muscle <clears throat> monitoring and measuring... That's the part that I wanted to um, show you before we started, so that you would have an... A, right. You know... Uh, so what does that typically look or feel like? Just well, it's a bit difficult because it's a radio. I mean, it's because it's radio, you're not going to be able to see what okay. I'm doing. So um, simply that I hold the person's arm like this yep. and then I very gently test or, or push down on the arm, very gently. Yes. Because as I said, it's not a test of strength. Okay. So you'll you'll notice that sometimes the muscle will be able to easily hold, and that then indicates that there's no stress on that signal, and in other times it will let go with the same amount of pressure, and so that then indicates that there's stress of some sort. That's sort of blocking signals of some sort on that. Okay. And then it's my job then to find the causative factors of that, 
and the sabotage programs that get in the way of people getting to where they want to be. That's a big part of my work. It's yes. really uncovering the ways that we sabotage or the things that we are the things that we've been been accustomed to that we've become habitual and that we don't see any way out of. Right. Yeah. So the sort of beliefs and patterns of beliefs and I call yeah. them sometimes programs. Yeah. that we're continually running on a subconscious level. Absolutely. Which takes up 90, 95% of our life. <laughs> People, you know, seldom seem to think about that. We only sort of operate with the top 5%. So a lot of those programs are set up. Some are to push us forward, some are to hold us back, and we pick them up along the way. So is that the sort of things that you're... Yeah, motivation is very definitely something that you've got to look at to see whether or not your patterns are still motivating you in the same way that they did. You, you might have made a decision in a time of trauma that is no longer serving you. Yes, but still but runs and plays out. you recognise that it no longer serves you, it still plays out, as you say, yeah. But once you shine a light on that, I, I like to think that kinesiology can be very enlightening for the person. Yes. Well, it's always enlightening for me, that's why I enjoy it. Yes. You know? because I'm somebody that loves variety. And so therefore for me to have had a career that's lasted this long is really quite, I still find it quite astounding. Yes, mm -hmm. it's maintained your focus. Interest, yeah. Interest. Mm -hmm. So with those sort of um, patterns and programs that are holding us back, are they, in effect, interrupt the sort of signals to muscles and well let, let's move away from the signals and let's just look at flow right you know it's really about how do we flow in our life because when we're in flow things are so much easier whereas when we're operating out of expectations or past beliefs or pain you know because it's not only about mental emotional it's very definitely about physical as well as we were speaking about movement just before if you can't move well there's a restriction and that restriction then plays out in different ways in your yeah. life so if you can get back into flow in all areas of your body you have a much better time yeah, you have a much better time. You have a much better time. Yeah, I think, um, and like you said, before we started the podcast, we were talking about movement yeah, and sorry. stuff over at, at, at Modus with Mark and, mm. and, and Anthony and those guys. Um, and yeah, I can see how, through my experience of increasing the quality and the range of movement of my body, it's created new neural pathways. Yeah. It's made me more agile to things switched on switched on energetic um i can i can learn new stuff a whole lot quicker because i'm continually learning i'm learning with my body and then that's translating into my brain yeah and you can encompass and, and envisage great things then mm. and you can go for the things that you want you know so often people go oh i'm too old i'm too this i'm you know it's like they have these limiting ways of thinking that if they got a bit more ease in their body they might have the potential to then go, oh, actually, that's not true. Yes. So it's really 
sometimes it can be a catch-22. And what comes first, the limiting beliefs or the pain in the body? Yeah, yeah either or, they start feeding one another. Exactly, yeah. You can have... Yeah, um, I've, I've um, recently watched a film, Emotion, about how emotions get trapped in the mm-hmm, body. Mm-hmm. And then so... And they get trapped in the body in terms of stiffness or tightness or something like that. Say, for instance, you, I get anxious and then I, and then I get tight in my hips. Mm. So then all of a sudden, if I sit in a funny position, then I get tight in my hips and then I get anxious. And the two start playing with each other and then they reinforce and reinforce and reinforce and reinforce and then boom, you're locked. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I've got these dodgy hips. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've had these dodgy Actually, hips for ages. no, you don't. You don't have dodgy hips. You just have anxious thinking. Mm. You just have poor thinking. Mm. Practice. And um, That's yeah. what I mean about enlightening because so often those types of things are revealed in a session. And it's almost... Uh, I, I, on my business cards prior, I used to put facilitator of magic. Because it always felt that sometimes it was magical that what happened, you know, and for me that's what a kinesiologist is. It's simply a facilitator of the body's wisdom to yes. come out. And now I've changed. Now I on my business cards I have connecting you to your greatness because that's what's important to me. Mm. Although the process might feel like magic. Yeah. <laughs> but ultimately you're revealing your greatness. Yeah. And I suppose this is where phrases like, you know, removing the weight of the world off your shoulders and things like that comes from. Yeah. Language is amazing, isn't it? It is. And as I'm talking to you, like as I said before through NLP, I've made the link between mindset and, and the words that we choose to use, mm-hmm. given that you know words come after feelings. Um, but now we're making the connection between how we feel and how we hold our body and how we move and how they are connected as well. Mm. Well, that brings, you know, when I said to you that we then use the toolbox or we look at the database of corrections that we have, language intentional change is one of the corrections that I often use. (coughs) Yes. So, for example, there are so many words that really create undue stress on the body like try can't might should all of those types of words so when those words become habitual if you don't have somebody externally to shine light on that this is your self-talk isn't it yeah absolutely so if you can feel through your own body that those words create stress and you can demonstrate how much stress they create then you have the motivation to shift them. Yes. And then the motivation. You've mo- got the feedback. And exactly. You've got the measurement. Yeah. And you also, it's is exciting. The way that you shift your language shifts your pathway. Yes. Shifts your direction. And I find that really exciting. Two, it's really interesting you say this because two, two things that come into my life recently is one is replacing the word God with get. So instead of, Oh, I've, I've got, got to do got this. To do this. Yeah, I, I get that. to do this. Yeah, it's so right. different. <laughs> I mean, Thursdays for me, I, I always use the word get anyway because I, I get to sit with incredible people and do mm. podcasts. So it's, it's great. Um, but just applying that elsewhere, you know, I get to go to get ginger yesterday and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's fascinating. And then the next one is when people say, you know, I can't do this, just stick the word yet 
at the end of the mm -hmm. sentence. Mm -hmm. I can't do this yet. Mm -hmm. As in, now I've made it a temporal thing. Right at this point in time, I don't. But at some point, I will. Here's another good one. I, you probably know it. You say, oh, I've always such and such until now. I've always felt until bad now. about myself until, until now. now. So I think it's like you have that recognition. Like that. As soon as you've said something that limits you, you tack until now on the, yeah. on the end of it. I like that. Again, you've made it a temporary thing. Mm. I find that um, certainly since I delved into NLP and self-talk and stuff like that, and not just monitoring my own, then you become aware of everybody else's. And yeah. that then now opens you up to a sea of noise that you never really realised that was all around you. Do you find that? A sea of noise is interesting. I, was, I would say that's one of the reasons why I love the Murchison, I love being in semi-arid, because you don't have that sea of noise. Um, and that's also another reason why I love travelling because when there's people around me talking in a language that I don't understand I can zone out and I don't have to be yeah. concerned um, but at the same time I think that a sea of noise I'm talking about a different thing because when you say a sea of noise to me it's an interesting Oh, what a, uh, it's, it's as if you can look at so many different levels of the person or the, or the interactions that are happening and that you then have the opportunity to guide or shift that and you can have the opportunity to guide and shift your response to it too so yes. it brings you into a more of a place of responsibility the ability to respond. Because mm. mm. one of the questions I wanted to ask you was, the, the more you've deep dived into this, the more you'll become quite sensitive and attuned and aware of possibly how people use and move their body, the talk they use and this, that, and the other. And it's how do you deal with it? How do you switch it on and off in everyday life outside of the practice? Hmm those around I don't think I do right. no and I think that's why my morning walks are so important to me actually now that you because it gives me that sense of setting myself up for the day in that connectedness to myself so that I don't get fragmented. Right. Although, of course, that's a, something that I have to be mindful of. Mm. Hmm. How did you find kinesiology? In? Oh, that's, I, like, I like that story, actually. <laughs> uh, do you know of flower essences? No. Flower essences, do you know of rescue remedy? No. Okay, Rescue Remedy was born in the 1920s 
um, by an English doctor by the name of Dr. Bach, and he devised a medicine which was the the birth of flower essences. So basically, it the premise is, is that when you smell a, a rose, you know, or when you look at a rose, it affects you in some way. When you look at, as I'm looking out of your window now, a geranium, it has a different effect than a rose. So every different flower and every different thing in nature gifts you a different vibration. And Dr. Bach found a way of harnessing that by putting the flower into water and making an essence out of the vibration of the flower. Right. It's quite esoteric. Yeah. And Rescue Remedy is um, quite a famous combination of different flowers that people use in times of stress. And basically they're just little drops that you put underneath your tongue. Whether they, some people would say they're placebo and some people wouldn't, to me that's another whole different story. But um, flower essences were born then and they have really grown. Out of that. Now, what were we talking about? I'm sorry. How do you get into kinesiology? How do I get into kinesiology? Thank you. Now, there's a gentleman by the name of Ian White who has taken the flower essence story and brought it here in Western Australia, not Western Australia, Australia-wide. He's also made some from Antarctica as well. And he is quite a famous Australian person in the natural therapies field. And I went to see one of his talks one evening and he was demonstrating the efficacy of his flower essences using muscle testing or muscle monitoring to show that some of his flower essences would work for some, one particular issue but not for another. And it was completely fascinating to me. I went there to look at flower essences but I came away with an kinesiology is whoa, so wow. exciting yes i remember jumping into bed with my then partner and going blah 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 blah, blah and, yeah, just, yeah. and he was would you please be quiet you're, you're <laughs> and, good talking to. and i was so excited and then i went um then i went to sydney uh quite soon after that and my sister i went there to work with my sister and we created a healing center in sydney and because we because I was so interested in kinesiology, we created a training and we invited visiting trainers to come and teach at our centre. And so we created a training for Sydney people to come in. And that's how I got trained myself. By creating the training centre? Yeah. I like it. Mm. And then it's just got on from there. Yeah, I had some fabulous teachers. Yes. I've had some wonderful teachers in my life. Not just kinesiology teachers. And and right from the start, did you know within yourself that this is what I want to do as my, not just my passion, but my career and the way I... Right from the start? Right yeah. from which start? <laughs> well, I, I guess right from when you came back all excited about it. Yeah, when I came back all excited about it, I knew I wanted to... I didn't see that I was going to be in it for the long haul because I didn't have that in my background. My background was very um, gypsy-like. I moved schools fourteen different times. I, you know, I moved houses so many times. I've lived in so many places in Fremantle. Um, so 
I never saw myself as being in it for a long period of time. I just followed the enthusiasm at the time. Yeah. Mm. And, um, right. And this has always been your sort of way to put bread on the table. For that, for yeah. that length of time, yes. Yeah. yeah. That's interesting. Mm. Yes. Mm. Um, is there a commonality in the sort of people that do come to you? Because um, I can imagine on one level this would work with everybody, but then does somebody have to be? More and more I find that I'm attracting more visionary people right. to come to see me. That's interesting. And yet it depends who is referring me because say for example if somebody has come with a painful back then the people that they refer to me will most likely be people who've had an issue with their back you know? yeah and as that gathers momentum you'll have mm. a lot of back sufferers yeah which is not necessarily and and i i know that as i shift and change so too does my practice and i think that's really what i'm focusing on now as I said yeah. you know tapping into people's greatness helping them to be in flow creating their vision to come closer to them yes that's the time yeah how how has the journey with kinesiology changed over the years as I've changed so too yeah it, so what, it what sort of changed. sort of phases is that same Oh gosh, well initially I learnt a very structural, uh, very uh, measured I suppose and very specific techniques. Yeah, and so then, is that grinding in your skills so to speak? Sorry? Is that grinding in your skills so to speak? No, it was even the actual course itself because um, the, the basis of kinesiology is a course called Touch for Health. And that's a beautiful course in itself, um, but very body related. So it has grown from being very body, body related through to the whole gamut of how what you were talking about, how you lock emotions in. And, and then I worked with a wonderful man called Dr. Bruce Dew. He's a New Zealand practitioner. And he had a system of using kinesiology, which I still use to this day, which is looking for the priority system. So the touch for health modality was within there, but the you really focused on what is the body saying. So sometimes I will still use the touch for health, what's called a 14 muscle balance. Right. Which muscle, and at other times there'll be the language intention change or the other times there'll be a nutritional shift that has to happen. However, I feel now that my forte is really getting to the core of the issue. So oftentimes it's even before I put the person on the table that a lot of the healing is done in the speaking of where right. the person needs to come to. And would that 
have some correlation with why you're now attracting visionary people. I think so, yeah. And so therefore that it, it has been an interesting journey because when you get accustomed to a system, when you're starting to move out of that system, there's quite a lot of fear that you perhaps won't be able to get the same results or yeah. that you won't be able to serve the people in the same way or that you're just kidding yourself that yeah. what you are moving into is better or... You're trying to go to a place where you don't necessarily have the programs to support it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so that can be scary. Yes, yeah. You know, you've got all these programs that mm. are supporting you in the current place. Mm. And then I think, because um, one of the things I've... I've frequently looked at through my own experiences and some people call it midlife crisis or awakening or this that the other but I think that's the point where you've been playing by life scripts and programs and then you just get to a point where you just say enough is enough I've had enough of what this is producing it's just Mm. not giving me what I thought I was going to do with all those hopes and aspirations I had when I was a kid Mm. and and it's just Mm. like the gap is huge and then you just have this snap yeah and that's when a lot of people fall into depression because yes. they don't let go of the systems that, have, that, that they've got in place. Mm. It's, it's almost as if depression is a place that you come to when you've reached the end of that way of being. Yes. And so you can stay in that or you can shift and change yeah. and you can let go, of, let go of things or identities that you've had in the past. Those programs don't go lightly, do they? No. <laughs> you know, they like being there. Mm. So they'll do whatever it takes to stay on board and distract you with great... Yeah, with all so sorts there's some stuff. really good techniques. We've got some really good techniques to give them the boot. <laughs> so yeah. that's good. <laughs> Indeed. And so... Yeah, I, I just... It, it's fascinating to listen to you because I'm starting to contextualise many things sort of have happened for me and, and happened for many other people who I interact with as a result of the podcast and what have you. So, hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I'm having a mini revelation myself here whilst I'm Lovely. seeing um, it. Lovely. Please. <laughs> so, um, just a few other sort of practical questions about the sessions. Is it, is this sort of thing where someone will come and see you and then they have to come for a couple of weeks afterwards or is it as and when or... I used to say, um, if you just want to come once, that's fine. If you want to come next year, that's fine. However, now I feel that in order to serve people better, I do say, okay, so we've unraveled some things. Um, If you like this way of working, then consider to come back and see what else is there. Yes. And so I do offer a package of sessions, um, so therefore people can get a reduced rate on that package of sessions. And I actually really love it when people say that's what they would like to do. Yeah, because, commit and do. Yeah, commitment really breeds that sense of the possible. So it's for both of us yes. that I'm committed for the long haul, for really getting that vision happening. And yeah, it's good. Yeah. And I'm getting the impression that people will come and see you because, like we said, um, they've got a backache. 
mm-hmm. they've got this. So do you have people that, so that almost makes it sound like people arrive in a reactive state. Do you have people arrive in a proactive state? Yes. And yeah. So they, they just come anyway? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Because they're willing to do the next step. That's great. I love it. Yeah. Do you get many of those? Uh, more and more. Right. More and more. Yeah. And, what and are, that's exciting. Yeah. And, uh, and I guess, what are... If a, listener, if a listener was listening to this, short of actually booking in and coming to see you, are there any sort of things that they can start to do for their own sort of general well-being from a kinesiology point of view, if that makes sense? There's um, there's many techniques that are useful. Um, if, for example, you're having difficulty or if you're really feeling stressed, a very, very simple technique, which we call emotional stress release, <laughs> yeah. which is just a natural movement. You naturally just place your hand very, very lightly on your forehead and fo- focus on your breath. And what that does is it brings the blood supply to the forebrain rather than the back brain because the back brain is your reactive brain. The right. forebrain is your... Is so just the act of touching. Just the act of touching. And, you know, you feel, you notice what happens in your body yes. when you do that. Oh, everything calms down. Yes. And so I, I teach that for women, not only women, but parents with their children, if they've really hurt themselves or if they are unduly upset. You can put your hand very, very lightly on their forehead, which is an automatic reaction anyway. But yeah, if people you do, do that. it Yeah, <laughs> but if you do it more intentionally, yes. it gives that it, it really takes the fire out of the upset. So that's a simple technique mm. that's useful. Are there any more ways? Did that of, answer your question? Yeah, no, not ca- really. yeah kind of. That was, in fact, yeah, it's very practical. I just wondered if there were any sort of ways that uh, a listener could consider in terms of their way of being straight away from listening to this. Well, for a start, recently I've been running a workshop which is called Connecting to Your Greatness. And in the middle of the week, I send my participants journaling prompts. So, uh-huh. And I find that that really helps to set the stage for what we're going to do in the next um, in the next session, so perhaps that's something that I could also start to integrate. You know, it's nice that you asked me that question because then it gives me some clues about what how to set the stage f- to attract those more visionary people, those more proactive people, yes. and to really um, get some of the work done before they actually present themselves. So does journaling play a key role in this? It hasn't and in this course yes. that we're doing. Yes, yes. See, this is interesting now because journaling's popped up in a couple of podcasts and over the eight weeks ago I'm returning from a trip away, I just decided, right, I'm going to commit to every morning waking up quarter past 20 past four, journaling for half an hour, then off I go. Have you enjoyed it? It's been revolutionary. Yes. Yes, it is. It's absolutely revolutionary. The pen is the most incredible, incredible exploratory and manifesting tool (laughs) 
than we have. And and I've had friends say, oh, why don't you just you know talk it through your animation, uh, animation uh, affirmations, or you know, what about typing it up? And it's like, no, no, no. You have to physically engage with a pen, write it down. And for me, it started off with three things that I'm grateful for. What are my big conscious goals? And, and what's coming up for me? Gorgeous. Um, yeah. It's now expanded now mm-hmm. to how's my sleep? Um, and how do I want tonight, tonight's sleep to be? Um, three things I'm grateful for. Um, anything that's dropped out of a dream, big conscious goals. Um, anything that's popping up. So that can be a couple of dot points. Sometimes it can be a page and a half. And then um, how do I want my state of being to be today? And and what are the top five things I want to do to make those conscious goals happen? So it, it, it's mm-hmm. spread, mm-hmm. Um, but I can still get it done in 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, and what I find is surprising is that it's surprising what shows up. Oh, And yeah. that's why you say it's revolutionary. So, for example, the prompts that I gave my group last week were when you know yourself to be great what qualities do you exhibit or something like that I can't can't exactly remember the question when I tap into my great this is it when I tap into my greatness I know myself to be and then they had to answer that question and then when I know myself to be whatever it was, then I'm willing to do, da-da-da. And then the third prompt was, and I'm willing to commit to, da-da-da. And then the fourth prompt was, this is important because. And it's yeah. so stupendous. It <laughs> it's is. Stupendous. It's incredible and powerful. Yeah, this little thing, a pad. You start using it, and we don't. We're mucking around with keyboards and laptops, and it's physical, but it's not physical at the same time. Mm. It just pops up on a screen, and then the battery runs out, and things like that. But to actually physically write something down, just it's a focus. form of expression that is also pushes the boundaries because many people are afraid of expressing their innermost thoughts, and yet. It almost as if the pen takes a life of its own, hmm. and particularly if and it was made um, quite well, not famous necessarily, but the art. You do know the artist's way book. The, no. Yeah, it's a book that's quite well used, and it talks about the morning pages, and it's the morning journaling, and it's three days. Uh, sorry, three pages. You you write three pages. It doesn't yeah. matter what you write about. You just write. Yeah. They do give prompts, and they and because it's a um, a book about drawing and being creative, there are prompts that enhance that process. Yeah, yeah. I've got a good friend over in Sydney who says that when she journals, she's almost enters a channeling state. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, whether it's her greatness, her guides, or what. Yeah. Says, yes. Yeah. There we go. Um, what would you think Western Australia as a state would be like if if more people um, even got curious about their greatness? Oh, 
gosh, one of the things that comes to mind is that we wouldn't have... I know it's better to say what we would have, but these expanses of roofs with no trees just do my head in as far as what we've done to Western Australia. I think that people would connect a lot more to their community. And I think as a result of that, we would be a lot more caring. And as a result of that, we would consider others more. And I, I know that that's the same thing, caring and considering others. But how does that translate into society? What would be different? Would we have more parks? Would we have more I don't even think it's Western Australia. I, I, I like to think it's, it's it becomes global and that the ripple effect goes goes far and wide. I'm really interested in this common wage. I don't know. I, I listened to a, um, <coughs> ABC FM. I listened to a conversation with a gentleman who wrote a book about the benefits of everybody having a certain wage um, without having to do anything, not like Centrelink. Or, you know, so, and the sense of self-worth that that would bring about, not that you had to stand in a queue with your hat in your hand type of thing. Yes. So that's one of the ways of heaven on earth that I'm quite passionate about. I'm very... I love trees, so... Uh, Something very magical about I trees. Think, I think we would have more trees. <laughs> we would have more water as a result. Um, what else, specifically? I feel a little bit on the spot, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but that's okay. Yes. Sometimes that sense of us and them in Western Australia is quite marked. And I think if you tapped into your own greatness, mostly what that does is it gives you the sense that we're all one. Because we're all the same. And from that space, what would be different? Everything. Yeah. <laughs> and personally, things would be different as well. Because so often we are judging, comparing, feeling less than. And that type of energy doesn't generate great things. And growth, yes. Mm. And we would definitely not be all talking about the latest... I was going to mention something and I don't particularly want to because... Oh, the latest needles in strawberries or, you know, it's like we wouldn't all be talking about the same thing. Yes. 
we'd be really interested in each other. Yes. You know. Hmm. Mm. What have you learned about yourself on your journey with kinesiology? I don't know if it's on my journey with kinesiology or on my journey with life. Yeah. I've learnt that I'm wise. I've learnt that I'm caring. I've learnt that I'm a really nice person. And that I've learnt that I'm powerful and expansive. Awesome. <laughs> what does the next uh, two to three to four years look like for you? Much more expansion. Yeah. Much more positive effect. Much more travel. Yeah. Uh, how do you plan? How do you th probably not plan, but how do you feel the the positive effect is going to come about? The positive effect of yes. How you're going to affect it? Well, I'm. I love to work with individuals, and I also love to work with companies that are doing really good things as well. So, the positive effect, for example, of working with companies that are starting to make a big difference. I think that if we put our attention on those types of technologies and those types of ways of being, we can really shift the trajectory that it appears that we're on at the moment. And why I say it appears, because that's what the attention is given to. Yes. And obviously it's not given to the things that are making the difference because the status quo is, is trying like crazy at the moment to hold on. Yes. I think we're seeing more and more of that sort of... Absolutely. losing its grip. Finally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Superb. Um, what are you grateful for? Everything. Everything. I thought it was going to be a very succinct answer. <laughs> I'm grateful for being able to be grateful. Yes. So gratitude itself. Yeah. I like that. It's deep. Thank you. <laughs> um, you mentioned going for your morning walk. What's what's part of your routine that keeps you focused, grounded, yeah, expanding, and on your game, as it were? Morning walk is really important. I my my Instagram hashtag is looking for the light because yeah. I find that that's if I'm really flat or lost or down, if I put my foot out of my front door <coughs> and look for light, you can't help but shift your vision. Yeah. And so that's really important. I learned that from a woman called Karen Waldrand. Um, she's got some online courses. And as I said, I've got, I have some wonderful mentors in my life. I've been really blessed to attract and to and to be with some powerful people um, so 
she taught me that looking for the light was really important being with my family being with my dog journaling has become more and more important connection with people all over the world through Skype is another way that I like to work um, that's important as well just really being connected to connected to my work is good what else exercise yeah I've always liked exercise what sort of exercise do you do mm. out of interest walking and running uh, you know like a little bit of running and as I spoke to you before the podcast trying to get up the steps yes <laughs> trying, trying to get up those I don't know how many steps there are and um, then I've got a little app on my phone that I do when I come back from walking I do a short exercise routine from an app that yeah. I've actually shared with lots of my clients because I think it's great if you can start something small it grows yes mm. Yeah. Superb. Um, if you could go back and give yourself a piece of advice, let's go back to when you first went to, your, to that kinesiology lecture and you came back and you're all excited about it. If you could go back and give yourself a piece of advice um, from now, what would it be? Don't think you have to get it all right. Why is that? <laughs> because it's in the getting things wrong that you allow for expansion. Or the, the willingness to get things wrong. And I think that's probably the first time I've ever said that to myself. So thank you so much. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Mm. And, and finally, um, if you could upload a little... Nugget of, nugget of knowledge into the collective consciousness. Just poof, stick it up there. So we all, everybody gets it. What would it be? Be light. Lighten up. Enjoy. Superb. <laughs> if, um, if anyone's listened to this podcast and they want to come and find you, Mm -hmm. Where whereabouts can they find you? Sahajaspringer.com.au Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. <laughs> Facebook, which is at Perth Kinesiology. 167 South Terrace, South Fremantle. But of course you can't just pop in. <laughs> yeah, no, you can't make LinkedIn, all those, yeah. all those places. All those places. All those places. We'll stick a link in with the podcast. Thank you. There you go. It's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you for your wonderful questions. Oh, that's right. Um, I found the whole experience very powerful, delicate but very powerful. And um, it's not every podcast where I end up almost going quiet in the middle of it because I'm having revelations. Well, I do, but yeah, not quite as deep as I have today. Thank you so much, Brim. So, yes. Have you enjoyed it? Yes, I have. It's there been fun. <laughs> cool. <laughs> anyway, thank you very much for your time. And um, yeah, I look forward to seeing you again. Lovely to meet you there as well. <laughs>